0: World leaders will gather at the COP26 UN climate conference in Glasgow today to lay out their plans to reduce carbon emissions by 2030.
1: No escape on Taoiseach on the hard work ahead to end climate
2: change on the table so far won't be anywhere near sufficient to limit warming to 1.5 degrees.
3: It's a big week for the climate. You might not turn on the news or be used to watching it regularly, but it's hard not to notice how the airwaves, the internet and the papers have focused their attention on COP26 this week. And we're no different. We've teamed up with the organisation Spun Out to try and explain what COP26 is about and why all of us should care about what happens in Glasgow this fortnight.
4: Evolution.
3: SpunOut.ie is Ireland's youth information website for young people aged 16 to 25 and like us, they know the climate crisis is one of the biggest challenges facing young people today. As a youth-led organisation, they think it's important to speak up about climate action and demand more from world leaders, businesses and decision makers. SpunOut is all about giving young people a voice and today they found us some brilliant talkers
0: my name is Orla Fitzpatrick I'm 17 and I'm from West Dublin I'm a Spun Out volunteer and I'm a member of the Dublin Action Panel for Spun Out. And I'm coming to you today from the Phoenix Park. It's such a beautiful green space right in the middle of the city that anyone can avail of at any time of the day. I think it's incredible. A little bit about me. I'm really involved in economics and politics. I think it's really interesting, especially too with COP26. It's two really big aspects aside from the climate change movement, which I'm also heavily invested in. Hello all,
5: I'm Peter O'Neill, I'm 16, I'm from East Darley and I'm involved in Spun Out and I can't wait to talk to you all today about Top 26 and why it's so important.
4: I'm Amy and I'm from Cork. I'm 16 and the host of the Sustainable Sleepover Club podcast. I'm also a youth writer with Spun Out, a Fridays for Future activist, and key organiser with Youth Against Racism and Inequalities. I also love reading, I'm the co-chair of Cork County Coral Noog and a feminist.
3: There's so much to fit into one show, so let's get going.
5: So, you may be wondering at this point, what is COP26? COP26 is the 26th UN climate change conference. It was first held way back when, in 1995, in Bonn, Germany, and has been held every year since. The 26th COP is being hosted by the UK in Glasgow this year, with Italy also running a number of events as part of a joint presidency. There are nearly 200 parties involved in the negotiations at COP. Let's count down the list. There's ourselves, Ireland, as well as the entire EU. You also have the UK, the USA, and Germany, and the rest of the G7. There is also the G77, which is a coalition of 134 developing countries. In addition, there are representatives from the least developed countries and the climate vulnerable forum. These are most of the blocs that vote together at at COP26, but there's also a number of observers who do not directly vote, but look over the events and comment on them. There's youth climate activists, NGOs and even the Pope. I wonder if they'll be asking him about the emissions in the white smoke of the Vatican. Ah, uh, anyways, with this many countries, diplomacy, clarity and cooperation are vital to make progress. One of COP's biggest achievements was in 2015, the creation of the Paris Climate Agreement. This year's COP is very different, with the recovery from Covid-19 still affecting the world, drawing attention away from the other crisis that is rapidly approaching, the climate crisis. If the negotiations are successful, our renewed focus on fighting climate change could be at the forefront as we recover. The results of COP dictate how successful we all are in fighting the climate crisis, but the urgency cannot be understated.
3: Young people across the world are those that will be most affected by the decisions at COP26, for good and bad. And if we've learnt nothing else over the course of eCollusion, one thing is that young people have a lot to say on the matter. Amy mentioned that she presents the Sustainable Sleepover Club, a podcast made in conjunction with the YMCA, and we put them to work, especially for this episode. Biscuit roll call.
4: So we're going to do a little introduction. Um, so tell everyone your name, your age and your favourite biscuit. I'm Gabby.
6: I'm 17 and I use she, her pronouns. This is going to start a fight. It's going to start an argument. It's a Jaffa cake. Don't start telling me a Jaffa cake is a cake.
7: My name is Kyle. I use he, him pronouns and I cannot stop eating lotus biscuits. You know, the coffee biscuits, they're the most divine things mm. on the planet. They're just... They're just so good. They're better than Jaffa Cakes anyway. That's what matters. (laughs) I'll pass it on to Anna.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Anna. I am 17 and from Cork and I use she, her pronouns. I was joking
6: about the biscuit in the introduction, (laughs) but now that we're going, we're going to keep going. So chocolate hobnob. Hi, my name's Ayushi. I'm 16 from Cork. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm going to agree with Gabby here. Jaffa Cakes for the win. Mm. Thank you,
4: Ayushi. (laughs) Amazing. I, I, I knew you'd
6: be in my corner.
4: Always there for you. <laughs> I'm Amy. Uh, she, her pronouns. I'm 16. And I, you know what? Chocolate digestive. Not going to complicate things. You can't be the classic. Exactly. You know? Not going to start any riots like Gabby, okay? <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. My favourite biscuit is the usual chocolate chip. Okay. Biscuit business sorted. Onto the matter in hand.
4: Why does COP26 matter to like any of you or like does it like maybe it doesn't?
7: I mean obviously like climate change, climate action and that entire area is like super important to young people regardless of where they are in the world. No matter where you are in the world, climate change, of action is a huge topic and obviously like COP26 is a chance for world leaders. They come together and discuss the issues and it's important that it is discussed and it's important that they agree on an action and it's important that people who need their voices to be heard the most aren't being unaccounted for in this situation.
4: Even for me, it, COP26 matters not only because, you know, politicians are sitting around the table, which in this context is definitely important, but like people are coming together for collective action. And I think there's so much noise around cop The main hope is that like climate justice is just so loud with like so many people and the media are already being really active and more that the issue cannot be ignored and action and justice are seen as really, really urgent as much of an emergency as they are. Everything that surrounds it is even more important. I know for lack of a better term,
2: awareness. (laughs) I hate that word, but you can't ignore that it has a huge impact on the wider society. Obviously, you feel incredibly hopeless when all these politicians walk out of the room and we're back to square one and nothing's changed. But you feel so hopeful by everyone that surrounds it and by everyone seeing everybody who cares so much and seeing such a huge like commotion made about it and seeing just how far that we've come because this cop in particular is fingers crossed going to be a wake-up call. It has to be.
3: It really does. For people interested and active on the climate crisis, it feels like we've been awake to this situation for a lot longer than others. The 2015 Paris Agreement sets targets, but globally they're already being overshot, and there aren't nearly enough to solve the problem. Even with Ireland's new climate action bill in place, politicians have been slow to act. Last year's COP failed to reach any proper decisions, despite them knowing how imminent the dangers are. Never mind imminent, we see them on a daily basis. A lot of politicians haven't woken up.
0: What if the communication at the conference breaks down, and if no agreements are reached, and the event has no result at all? What could the dystopian city of the climate crisis look like? Well, at first, I don't think much will change at all for our cities, and our lives will remain the same, For those less climate conscious, no difference will be noticed for a while. It is only once climate change has a very direct impact on their lives that they may give it any thought at all. One of the impacts of climate change, which I feel many of us are already noticing, is the change in temperatures. I can certainly feel that this autumn is far warmer than in previous years. Usually by now I'm wearing winter jumpers, but I had to wear shorts the other day. These out of season temperatures will not only become increasingly drastic as the climate emergency continues, but I feel that, here in Ireland, we don't want to spend Christmas sunbathing on the beach like the Australians do. One major impact of climate change, that will soon be a reality, is loss of land and property due to flooding. Recent research and investigation has shown that due to rising sea levels caused by unchecked pollution, this could mean that many parts of Ireland will be underwater by the year 2030. Coastal areas such as Clontarf and Sandy Mount in Dublin, and areas surrounding the River Lee in Cork, not only could this flooding be detrimental for many homes and businesses, but even major landmarks and cultural centres, such as the Aviva Stadium, Parque Equivre and even RTE and UCD could gain a view of this water. The root of many of these issues is rising air pollution and emissions, but these cause their own problems. Burning of fossil fuels through things like using peat or turf in homes and driving cars that use petrol or diesel can over time lower our air quality and create larger amounts of air pollution if not regulated. This lower air quality can not only increase the warming of the Earth's atmosphere, but it can also cause many health problems for people who breathe it in every day in built up areas like our cities. If our world leaders and those that can easily decide on changes for whole countries and groups do not agree to find and make changes together at the COP26 conference, not only will our cities and countries become increasingly more difficult to live in, but our lives will be at risk. Our cities may not even exist at all in the future.
3: The future is something that grows ever closer, and for some, it's a world in which they're already living. Vast parts of the global south are already deeply affected by climate change, and that's at our current temperature. For their most recent episode, the Sustainable Sleepover Club had invited a special guest to discuss that. Teresa Rose Sebastian is a climate and social justice activist who co-founded the NGO Re-Earth Initiative. She lives in Cork, but she was born in Kerala, India. And she, like most activists, had that moment when she knew things had to change.
1: It wasn't until 2018, um, when I went back home to India, that I sort of had my spark where I became, you know what, this is the fight I'm going to fight. Like before that, you know, I knew, yes, erosion, I knew climate change, to the very basics of whatever I was taught in geography. But when I went home in 2018, basically what happened was that. The monsoon rain that we were expecting was extreme. It became torrential. It was more than what we had ever expected. And it ended up flooding the entire state. Dams had to be released. Homes were basically submerged. Livelihoods were just flowing away in front of people's eyes. And I was sort of stuck in that position where I wasn't exactly as impacted as those who were living, obviously, in the front line. But my home was sort of... I would describe it as an island. I remember looking out because I lived in an apartment at the time. I remember looking out from my terrace and just seeing everything underneath me in water. Like the, the tree stumps were in underwater. The paths were just submerged. You couldn't see them. The most you could see is maybe maybe the top half of trees, which is quite astonishing because like I remember the nights before like, looking out into the river, going out onto that path and just not being able to see that again the next morning was just crazy to me. Nobody in the entire state ever expected this. We expected the rains that nourish the land, that give um, water to the crops and stuff. But we didn't expect the rains that destroyed the land, that destroyed livelihoods. You know, I remember we went out the next morning after the water had receded a tiny bit. And even then, it was up to my neck. Like, I had to wade through it to get to the city. My brother had to sort of, like, be paddled through it to leave our apartment and... At that time, it was just sort of like, ah, this is just, it's like a big swimming pool. I couldn't really comprehend what exactly is happening here. And then I came home. I was extremely lucky because the day that my flight was booked to come home here to Ireland, the water had receded enough that flights could take off again. I know people who are related to me or who are close friends of mine who weren't given this privilege. People who lost thousands because they were stranded basically in Gerla for that amount of time because they just couldn't go home. But what really triggered my sort of action and my activeness was the fact that nobody else was speaking about it. My state lost 400 people, land, livelihoods, uh, cattle, stock, basically the things that keep people going in my state were just washed away, destroyed, and nobody was talking about it. At that time, what global media were covering were Donald Trump's golf trips.
3: I hope the media coverage of the climate crisis won't just be around for these two weeks of COP26, but will continue to unfold to provoke a response and force change. But back to the conference. Peter.
5: The goal of limiting global warming to below 2 degrees, preferably 1.5 degrees, as stated in the Paris Agreement, has become one of the main features of this year's COP. The nations are also being assessed on their progress since Paris and have been asked to renew old pledges and make new, stricter pledges for the future. Naturally, the larger and richer nations have been given the most responsibility, but every nation has been encouraged to reduce emissions, invest in green energy, and look into new innovations. There has been a change in tone and tactics this year, with so-called global stocktakes to be carried out in the coming years to make sure nations are working and giving countries a chance to adapt their plans to the ever worsening climate crisis. The rule book, as set out in Paris, Is also been finalised. And with the return of the USA to the international climate action table, progress does seem likely. It had better be.
3: Apart from hundreds of officials at COP26, there is also going to be a huge amount of observers, young climate activists like you and I. It's not surprising that on the first day of the event, they arranged a huge rally in a park in the middle of Glasgow. And Theresa is there too.
1: I have been very lucky to receive a badge to COP this year. To put it in its actual words, it really decides who's paying for climate justice, who's not getting climate justice, and who's being left behind. When you look at what actually happens within these discussion rooms, you're shocked. I've attended sessions where individuals who have been in negotiating spaces have said the stories of how countries have just left other countries aside when it comes to decision making, how Global North countries are not willing to take the responsibility for their actions. And that is where, you know, loss and da- damage comes in. This one is quite crucial because we have seen a huge growth in revolution in resistance and in solidarity all across the world today, especially this year. Anything that goes on in any corner of the world because of the power of social media, we are seeing solidarity protests everywhere. This sort of global connection, global unity has become a lot more visible today. And that's why COP26 this year is so crucial because it's no longer hidden what these Global North countries are doing within these negotiating rooms. It's no longer hidden what's going on in one country. We're hearing about it every day. There are journalists who are risking their lives to make sure that information such as this is being put out there. And it gives us an opportunity to really sit down and discuss how do we bring justice into our everyday work?
3: Climate justice is something that we've talked about before and we will talk about it again because everybody should have a fair and equitable response in adapting to the climate crisis. The people who are on the front line of this are those described as MAPA. But what is MAPA, Amy?
4: MAPA is a term that we use in Fridays for Future and it stands for Most affected People and Areas. These are communities most impacted by the climate crisis, by its devastation, due to systemic oppression. So... Let's take an example. The Philippines is a colonized country that's been exploited in its resources, natural wealth and culture, so that Global North countries could develop using fossil fuels taken from them. This has left Global South countries like the Philippines so-called poor, while the development of countries like Ireland has contributed a whole lot more to causing climate change. If you'd like to know just how much more we're responsible for the crisis, A recent report by AGU showed that the US is responsible for 40% of the climate breakdown the world is experiencing today. The EU is responsible for 29%. In total, the Global North is responsible for 92% of excess global carbon emissions. But back to MAPA. When you're poor, you're going to have less money to adapt to the floods that are destroying your house, which was structurally unsound to begin with. You can't pay to stay in a hotel for a week that you'd have had to driven to in a private vehicle anyway. Your country has not built infrastructure to lessen the impacts of a changing climate. And if your livelihood is connected to the land and you haven't been paid enough all along to save, you have no income. It's just gone. Systems like patriarchy, capitalism and colonization have been at play in causing this crisis and now women people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and black indigenous people of colour are suffering the most. As this devastation increases, people are forced to migrate, if they can. Some even pay what little money they have to do so in atrocious, life-risking conditions. All of this, and at the same time, we are seeing extreme nationalist and anti-immigrant sentiments rising in privileged countries, who, not to labour a point too much, but again, Those who have caused this harm and are doing next to nothing about it. This is an emergency. This is urgent. We cannot lose that in our conversations or actions around climate. Otherwise, we are letting MAPA down right now.
3: Urgency definitely seems to have been missing for many years. We've known for a very long time that human activity is at the core of our changing climate. And yet, responsibility has been dodged again and again. And if that's because it hasn't come knocking at our door, that's understandable. But we are all capable of change, even if that's a challenge. Especially if you're only looking at it from your own position.
5: Perspective is so important. You always need to look through someone else's eyes, walk in someone else's boots, in order to really, truly solve a problem. The same goes for the climate crisis. As I said before, I live on a little farm here in East Dolly, and things are different here than in Dublin. Right beside me here is a huge shed full of turf and it's been like that every single year I've been alive and every year my father's been alive and his father too. The bogs around us not only provide a beautiful landscape but they were our source of fuel, our food and a source of fauna and flora unlike anywhere else in the country. They're a beautiful resource but we're finally learning to save them and to keep them safe for future generations. It's another form of change. We've had like to get used to change all over Ireland and all over the world. In the last 100 years we have changed so much and we'll have to change again in order to face this new crisis coming over the hill. The climate crisis has already seen stuff change around here, in East Dolly. The first houses without chimneys are coming around. It seems like an alien concept to some of us, but it's coming. A conversation is vital between all parties involved, north, south, east and west of Ireland. We're all in this together and we all need to look at it, to each other's view. There will always be those who oppose change. But it is not always the case of not caring. Sometimes the understanding isn't there. Sometimes people fear that they aren't being listened to, that their views, that their way of life isn't being looked at. Going forward, we always have to make sure that everyone is involved, that no one is treated differently or treated worse as we move on. We may not all be united in working together to stop climate change, but we will be united in the effects of it when it comes. So we have to all work together.
3: So true, Peter. Collaboration will be the key to lessening the impacts of climate change. But as Amy points out, it's really hard to collaborate when you don't have a seat at the table.
4: There are MAPA in all our countries. Those who are homeless or queer, for example, who experience discrimination, all made worse by the climate crisis. On top of this, Indigenous communities have an invaluable connection with nature and need to be listened to when it comes to climate change solutions. But instead, Their land is being stolen and burned. Their traditions and cultures are being discarded while their way of life is destroyed with them. These are the voices that must be centred. These are the voices that need to be a COP26 because otherwise climate action from mainly wealthy world leaders could at best mitigate climate change to 1.5 degrees and still not support those who cannot adapt now or pay the climate debt we owe. Because guess what? Even 1.5 is a Global North goal. It's still catastrophic for so many communities in the Global South, especially without recognition of this divide. But these MAPA voices are few at COP26. The location of this conference in a Global North country means that many people from MAPA can't attend. It costs too much money to get to or stay in Glasgow. Vaccine inequity means that while I, as a 16-year-old in Ireland, have been double vaccinated for months, as my government could pay pharmaceutical companies directly, activists from the Global South have had to fight for the same protection, often amongst a more severe COVID situation and inadequate healthcare. This means that they have to quarantine in the UK, adding more expense. COVID tests to check if you are positive are expensive, and on top of this, A trip takes planning, including accommodation, which is difficult to do if your access to Wi-Fi and technology is limited. We need to uplift MAPA demands and voices. And COP26 needs to do the same. Because they are unheard, they have been actively silenced, but they most certainly are not voiceless. Climate negotiations that actively silence those most impacted by the actions, power and decisions of those at these tables cannot bring us liberation or justice on their own.
3: These two weeks are crucial, and a lot rests on what can be achieved.
4: What are your hopes and also your fears for COP26?
1: My fears, I will start with, because unfortunately they are um, the bigger proportion here. Greenwashing, it's something we've all seen, and I'll just clarify, greenwashing is when businesses, corporations, governments put this sort of facade, this sort of pretentiousness that they're actually going to do something with climate action when the results are actually far from it. We can actually see an example here in Cork City with the robot trees. I don't know if any of you have seen them, but they are on Grand Parade and St. Patrick Street, where it is a wooden box with moss inside it that is said to improve the air quality. When we look at it from one side, yes, great, we need better air quality, but there are better ways of um, mitigating this. What we're doing is adapting to the issue when it's too late to adapt to it just now. We have to mitigate it. My fear is that this entire conference is going to go negotiating, negotiating, and there's going to be no result like there was in COP25. But it's crucial that we get one because with the amount of IPCC reports, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Am I missing another one?
4: I think that's right.
1: They've released so many reports that are stating, we don't have a lot of time. And this year, again, is quite crucial because we have a huge opportunity to build back better, a huge opportunity to really dismantle this system that works on oppression and build one that's built around sustainability and justice. But it's not just for me to sit here and say it. People in power need to understand the urgency around this issue. And oftentimes, if you're not directly impacted by it, you're not going to act upon it. Which is why we've seen so many levels of inaction.
3: The sustainable sleepover crew shared Teresa's worries there's hopes for COP,
6: but I suppose like there's fears as well that people have to a certain extent. I know Greta Thunberg has expressed some scepticism around whether or not anything will actually be done. Those would be the same fear that I have is that we'll have conversations and we'll have conversations, but no action will be taken. I'm hopeful that that's not going to be the case, but I understand
4: that some people feel like it will be. I think world leaders, they are like behind so many Indigenous people and people at the forefront who have been educated on this for so long and have been so much louder and yet they're the ones at the table making decisions for everyone and actually one of the questions is how does it feel to have people make decisions that affect you so much like not just around climate change, governments and also corporations which we don't often think about in this context like it's not just governments that need to be held accountable at this COP. How does it make you feel?
6: Concerned a little you know concerned that we are still having the same old conversations, but also concerned that there isn't motive there or that maybe the motive isn't the right motive that should be. Terrified, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, like you feel very
2: small as a singular person when you compare yourself to maybe mega corporation, like corporations so big that you don't know their names. Those are the kind of people that honestly scare me because, well, at least a democratic government, there's some element of representation there. There's emphasis on some, but... Yeah, there's just so many players behind the scenes. It's very easy to feel small when you're one person. And I suppose, again, that's a huge thing A surrounding COP, where you feel very much more connected to the movement, you feel a lot more solidarity with everybody yeah. around you and you don't feel as small
4: anymore. You do not feel as powerless. The climate justice movement is way bigger than, than you think. We do need war leaders and politicians that represent people and like consult with us and take action. But I think in some ways, people are more powerful when we act together. And I think that's definitely true when it comes to this particular like fight for climate justice, that people are the ones who are going to create change
7: cop is almost like breaking down people's identities and instead of people kind of defending what they believe in people are being united into a mutual understanding and agreement that this isn't important and this is necessary and like everyone is coming together and like obviously thousands and millions of people that are backing you and it's kind of like reassuring and obviously it's kind of scary knowing that there are corporations and governments that are going to probably throw empty promises your way but the unity that everyone's bringing together and kind of people attending this is kind of Something to look forward to, I guess?
6: I don't think it necessarily helps to look at anyone as like the enemy. I mean, obviously, there's governmental responsibility regarding climate change, and there's corporate responsibility and there's individual responsibility. But I think looking at corporations as the enemy or looking at governments as the enemy isn't necessarily productive to moving forward. Obviously, a fear that people have is that profit is the main motivator and not necessarily equity regarding the climate.
3: But let's try and put a brave face on it. What might our cities look like if leaders act as we need them to?
0: With so much at stake, if COP26 is a success, our world and the lives we lead could change hugely. One major goal of the conference is to gather a large sum of money to support the battle against climate change for the developing world. With this funding and the rallied support of countries and governments globally, the world could shift to being a more sustainable and environmentally conscious society. But what could this utopian future look like? Well, in keeping with another major goal of the conference, we would need to try and reduce our emissions greatly over the next few years. For Ireland, this could mean many things. But as a dub myself, I love the idea of a sustainable 15-minute city to not only reduce carbon emissions, but to increase our standard of living and create more sustainable societies. I began to get really involved in researching and experimenting with this idea during the second lockdown. I think it really came into the spotlight because of people working and doing school from home and the shift towards a less commuting. This and the idea that everything you need should be within a 15 minute walk, cycle or public transport journey from your home. This includes food, work, health, education, culture and leisure. With the aim to better connect our public transport systems, improve walkability and cycle lanes and reduce the use of cars and long commutes the concept could be a massive way that we could move towards the COP26 goal of lowering emissions. Imagine a city where everything you could possibly need is only one short and sustainable trip down the road. The 15-minute city is made up of four guiding principles. Number one, ecology. A city is green and sustainable for all of its residents, now and in the future. This could mean warmer community gardens and parks, accessible recycling centres, and a movement towards green energy. Number two, proximity, the ability for each resident to live within a 15-minute commute to their necessities. Number three, solidarity, a community that creates links between its people. Finally, number four, participation, the act of involving citizens in decision-making of change within the community. An act of engagement in community meetings and consultations. These are the pillars that hold up the concept of a 15-minute city. And each one is important to create a solid foundation for the success of our cities after COP26. As I've mentioned, a key message within the concept is that citizens are involved in decision-making. As we, the young people of Ireland, begin to be more widely recognised as passionate and informed individuals, this means that our voices and opinions regarding Ireland's climate change battle will become more valued.
3: I hope they will, because young people have great ideas about what an ideal world looks like.
6: Just to be able to stop and listen to one another and have a heart to actually act on that, that would be an ideal future for me, I think. Sometimes it can feel like we live in a world where whoever shouts the
4: loudest is the one who's being heard. But like, that's not going to help us have conversations to fix things. Actively listening, not listening to respond or combat something or like put in your input, but like to be like, actually, I don't understand this and I'm listening to your point of view.
7: A world where no one is left behind. I just think that there shouldn't be... A situation where people are left starving while the rest of the world is profiting off of that.
4: A justice-centred world where we kind of really just view everyone as human and value nature. That's what an ideal world would look like for me. Well, I truly believe that this could be a last
0: chance to save our planet from a climate disaster. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out with all sorts of different people from all walks of life coming together to discuss this one thing. I think that it's going to be important in making the world connected in the climate change battle. But it'll also be interesting to see how we can benefit from this, how we can help others in developing countries. How will the funds be raised to help the climate change emergency in other countries around the world? And I truly believe that it is a last-ditch effort that we can be involved in to save our planet.
1: I'm hoping, again, this is an opportunity to place a justice-oriented structure that no longer puts profit over people.
3: So let's keep our eyes on COP26. If you're not actively involved, that's okay. If you're on social media, maybe use these two weeks to share your opinion. Talk to people about your concerns, speak with your parents and tell them that there is something you really worry about. If you have friends who worry about it too, share those fears, because you're not on your own in being worried. COP26 runs for two weeks, but how we act and how the world responds will carry on long after these two weeks hopefully with renewed vigour to tackle the climate crisis, to lessen the impacts, because this one is really important.
1: People are not going to sit back. People have had enough. And I don't think that like governments and people in power can sit back anymore. Every single eye is on them. Every single eye is on COP26. People who have very little knowledge about climate are talking about COP because of how important it is this year. So definitely the people give me hope. but um. It's those in power that give me fear. World leaders, they love to tell young people, we're listening. But how many opportunities do we actually have to listen to?
2: What I need to see from world leaders is strong action, listening to those most marginalized and most affected by the climate crisis.
4: I would just say listen to MAPA and then act on what they've said, because honestly, they have the solutions they have for years. It's plain as day. Listen with the intent to actually
2: act on um, what you're told. Um, and not for the sake of, oh, look, we listen to these MAPA activists. How inspiring. Now go back and we're going to keep ravaging your countries and destroying your livelihoods.
6: My message is take action. I know it's easy for me to say that. I'm sitting here. I don't run a country. If politicians started building that ideal future, the world would be a much better place. And have empathy, which I think is an important thing for everyone to have anyway. But back to take action. God damn it, do something.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>.
6: <laughs>
4: Exclamation point, okay. <laughs>
3: I couldn't agree more. Thanks to Spinout and the volunteers Orla, Peter, and Amy, as well as all the members of the Sustainable Sleepover podcast, and Teresa, Rose, Sebastian. We'll be back soon, but for now,
6: Doctor Na, 3 Slaw,
7: Slaw, This is
4: Anne.